Welcome everyone back to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Orange is the New Black, Netflix's hit series. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is... Kelly Anakin. There you go, Kelly. Thanks for joining us again. I was kind of nervous when uh, I kind of put up the orange signal, and uh, I, I was hoping that everybody would come back, and everyone did. So thanks for coming back and uh, helping us out this year on Orange is the New Cast. What- yeah, man. I'm excited to be back. What is what is new and different in your life uh, from last year? Uh, well, we have my husband, Tom, and I, who run the Up Yours Downstairs podcast on Bald Move that handles Downton Abbey and all like Edwardian-type stuff. Mm-hmm. We have two spinoff podcasts this year. We have one called The Palm Court, which we just wrapped up. It was covering uh, season three of Mr. Selfridge, mm-hmm. which is also a masterpiece classic show. And this summer, we are covering the Netflix show Peaky Blinders, which is a super violent uh, gangster show set in 1920 Birmingham, England. It's kind of like Boardwalk Empire, except that I don't hate it. Um, so that podcast is also on Bald Move and called Family Meeting. So people can check that out. It's a lot of fun. It's a very, uh, very manly podcast. Mm. Uh, definitely lots of masculinity happening I'm on that podcast. I'm interested in hearing you talk about a very masculine podcast. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we identify what kinds of humor are masculine and feminine. Uh, <laughs> We accuse people of being too girly to be in the Peaky Blinders. It's just me living out my fantasy of being on like a JV football team uh, that never really happened. So <laughs> it's a good time. All right. Well, uh, we this this episode is episode three hundred three. Uh, empathy is a boner killer. And truer words were never spoke. Have and, and so we talked a little bit off air, so I know all the answers to these questions. But to preserve the intrigue and mystery for the viewers, I'll ask them again. Uh, where are you at in your sojourn through Orange is the New Black season three? Uh, completely finished. Thank I you. finished the whole season uh, in three days. Look at you flopping your fan credentials right out there on the table, like boom. I'm, uh, I'm pretty mode. serious. You know, I live tweeted it, which can be a controversial choice because, well, I think people get a little bit overly het about, like, people tweeting things and, like, getting mad about spoilers. And I'm like, look, dude, I can't be expected to go at your slow pace. No, Um, that's something we always struggle with. And I'm not a big spoiler phobe. Uh, mm-hmm. never historically have I been. So I, tr- I try to do it just because, you know, I know that those people exist. Yeah. But yeah. No, I, and I, I mean, it's saying. like, you know, it's hashtagged. People obviously can tell that that's what I'm doing. And it's like, just stay on social media if you don't want to be, you know, <laughs> spoiled on things. Be a digital like, recluse. Be yeah, a, like, a, a digital shut-in, goddammit, if you, if you can't exactly. watch 20 hours go, of television. and Go read a damn book. <laughs> Like watch television yeah go get your shit together and then get back on twitter like i'm not i'm not here to coddle people yeah i totally by by the way i've completely cottoned on to your like a farmer uh, mm-hmm. I've, that's I've, good i've assimilated it into my humor repertoire yeah if i just get a couple more million people to do it then we'll be in business <laughs> All right, hashtag like a farmer. Let's get it. Let's get it. And, and, and <laughs> like a fucking farmer. And, and don't give a fuck about spoilers either. Like a farmer <laughs> as well. Uh, so empathy is a boner killer. It opens up with loose check waking up Nikki because guards can just come into the women's sleeping areas willy nilly. 
no matter what they're dressed or what time of the day it is. And uh, wakes her up because he's got an update about the drug situation. He's got to hook up with his sister's husband, who I think is a motorcycle gangster. And he's worried about... So he's on Sons of Anarchy? He is. I think this is a little little cross-universe uh, pollination here. Uh, it's kind of funny because... He threatens to give her a shot for not giving for for her not giving him drugs, and also mm-hmm. uh, he's worried about his sister thinking him being unreliable because <laughs> he cannot procure a quantity of heroin. I, I thought that was pretty amusing. Yeah, I've definitely had that situation uh, with a pound I of horse. Go in, huh? With a pound of horse? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, all <laughs> the week. all the opiates. <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, you do have occasionally your friends that are like, oh, yeah, like, I'm going to become a drug dealer. And you're like, uh, no, you're not. That requires organization. Right. It requires being able to keep track of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can't do any of those things. Right. So, but it is, you know, it is fun to see Lushek just like, you know, this is this is the way he's going to prove his worth to his family. Exactly. I'm not going to be a disappointment anymore. Yeah. Uh, this leads to a Nikki flashback where she's hanging out with a bunch of vaguely anti-establishment hipster junkie types uh, that decide they are not going to settle for a weekend without uh, their drug of choice. They're going to steal a cab as as step one of their grand plot to get more heroin. And uh, problem is Nikki can't drive. She's she's never driven being a native New Yorker, and it ends in predictable disaster. Uh, also there's a the scene of Alex and Piper still hate fucking, but I'm going to motion that we just kind of plow through the Alex and Piper stuff. Uh, I'm going to agree because I can't tell you how much I'm over Alex and Piper. Yeah. Like the- I love a good will they won't they type situation, but these two are so insufferable. Why, like, why does Jinji Cohen think that this is, I mean, because I've, I've debated people whether they think Piper is relevant and interesting. I don't think she mm-hmm. is. But Piper and Alex together are just this singularity of selfishness and obliviousness and awful things that they've done to each other. It's not sweet or interesting at all. No, well, I think, you know, Jinji Cohen's original statement on Piper is like, oh, you know, she's the Trojan horse. We're going to use this blonde white lady to get into this jail and tell all these other stories. Right. I'm like, well, then why is the story at the center of all this two white ladies having a relationship that nobody cares about? Right. Um, and, you know, there's nothing at stake for either of them at yeah. this point. You know what I mean? Other it's than just, will the other betray them once again? Yeah. And I mean, look, there's no Larry this season, so let's all just be grateful. There you go. That's that. a minor spoiler. That's a minor spoiler, but I'm going to allow it. No, everybody knew. You can't even call that a spoiler. If it's a casting <laughs> announcement, it is not a spoiler. And people who go. say otherwise are babies. The judges are are nodding in agreement. Yes, we've, we've yeah. got judges standing by. That's good. Everybody have judges standing by. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, I think she's gone beyond the Trojan horse. She's now the Trojan, uh, Tofurky and <laughs> she's surrounded by delicious heaping helps of mashed potatoes and gravy and, and stuffing and cranberry sauce. Not that canned shit, but the real, g- and like, I don't need the Tofurky anymore. I'm not interested in Tofurky. It was never yeah. that appealing at all. I mean, I think I like Piper more than you. Okay. Um, I'll buy that. But... 
she, I mean, she should, I mean, honestly, my opinion is she should be the one called crazy eyes mm. versus crazy eyes because crazy eyes is less crazy than Piper, uh, both in behavior and eyes. All right. Uh, I'll buy that. She but, does. uh, there's just it's too centralized on Piper and her relationships, and I don't care about that. Okay, uh, out. Like if she's if she's just another citizen of the prison ecosystem, I'm cool with that. But outside, uh, all of the Latina girls are planning Daya's future wedding because we left. Uh, she doesn't know Bennett had a very sad, angry drive off with a uh, a baby car- uh, crib, but we do. And mm-hmm. they're still planning her wedding, and uh, Maria cached on the whole concept of frisian, uh, of of prison friendships because she misses her baby. And yeah, she has this great. There's a lot of this um, in this particular episode. A lot of grandiose speechifying about how shitty life is, and then a secondary character coming and making a glib comment that kind of like makes it all go away. I wasn't yeah, sure like, I liked like that as a choice, but <laughs> I just feel bad for all of the Spanish ladies uh-huh. because they are yoked to this Daya plot line. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I feel like, and maybe I said this the last time last year, but like the fact that I read that thing last year, that was like a real ex con watches orange is the new black uh-huh. and the sort of insane, liberties i feel like that are taken with sort of what can happen in a prison uh yes. it's kind of killed the magic for me a little bit yeah um but you know you accept that and it, you know this is just sort of like genji cohen's gay fantasia of women's <laughs> prison okay so like, you accept that or but i mean it's just like i i i find that daya is sort of like the latina piper where yeah. i am beyond caring yeah. about her and her family at this point. Uh, and I'd much rather spend more time with people like Ruiz, like Flaca, uh, and, you know, even Gloria, especially Gloria. I love Gloria. Sure. Um, but I'd rather see, or, you know, um, what is her name? Blanca, mm. who's with Diablo, who had sure. the phone hidden. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I would rather hear more about these people but I feel like it keeps winding up being the Daya and Alita show. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I get it. And that's the thing. Like a part of it is I think last season did such a good job of piercing the sweetness of the Daya Bennett bubble that it's hard for mm-hmm. me to go back and be like, oh, I'm rooting for these two because. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you can't get out of the fact that, you know, the whole Daya Bennett porn stash thing. Every single one of those people is a rapist. Yes. Uh, and there is nothing sweet or cute about that. Yeah. And I don't know how much the show's asking us to totally disregard that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like it's like it's holding Bennett to this standard, like he's some kind of good person. Um, but he's not a good person. He is a prison guard who had sex with someone who by law cannot consent. Yes. Um, and there's, and I think they did. That's the thing is like, you can quibble maybe with what that about that law. But last season, I think did a very good job of showing us why that law needs to be in place. Mm-hmm. It is a very good idea. Yeah. And I mean, and how reckless Ben it was, uh, to disregard it. And if, even if you don't want to, say that you know he if you want to go ahead and say from a philosophical perspective he and Daya have a completely consensual relationship he's still an accomplice to 
what is tantamount to rape with porn stash with yeah. her yeah. because she's having sex with him just under completely false pretenses and accusing him of being the father of her child. So it's just, it's just a really nasty, yeah. it's really hard to uh, on any or boros here. Anyway, uh, that's part of why I can't get involved in it. And I also just like, I'm like, okay, like have this baby, let us do something it's else. It's been three for years for God's sake. Right? What is she an like, elephant? What's, what's the gestation on this? Be 16 when it comes out. <laughs> 16 and shaving it's gonna drive the prison van right out of there yeah it's it's gonna be ready for 16 and pregnant like you know the, the, <laughs> the new season of that uh walking out of her vag so uh speaking of walking in uh ford walks in on caputo watching porn uh at, at his job which not super classy but i've been talking with this with the other ladies i'm amazed at how much i'm turning around on caputo am i crazy? Oh, really yeah. In terms of liking him or not liking him? In terms of him? him seeming to be a – I don't know whether it's this is like some kind of weird um, rationalization, but he seems to be a fairly good guy in in in, in making them – like he seems to really care about this job and making a difference in a non-fakey way. But the way he deals with some of that stuff is kind of gross from like, oh, he's jerking off at work perspective. Yeah, that is gross, and I don't know. This is not. This is not a show with heroes and villains. Mm. Um, I don't think Genji Cohen believes in that kind of storytelling. Okay. If you look at this show, if you look at Weeds, like she almost, I would say, traffics in just straight up character assassination. Mm. She's like, "Oh, you thought you liked this character? Well, here's this. Mm. Oh, well, you thought you hated this character? Well, here's this thing." Mm-hmm. Um to make you empathize with him. And I think a really key example of that is um, Mr. Healy. Yeah. Because if you look at just the first episode, the Mother's Day episode, and you see what his childhood was like, Mm -hmm. um, and then he had this mentally ill mother, Mm -hmm. it didn't make me like him any better, but it made me understand him better. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, I think it sparks conversation about what, we are willing to hold people accountable for in terms of their own actions. Mm. Um, yeah, I have always been pretty ambivalent on Caputo and I don't really feel any differently about him this year. I think he is kind of a skeezy dude who, you know, like I think, I think in some ways he has good, good pure motivations and I do think he genuinely wants to do better, but I think his execution is so poor that it doesn't make me want to give him a pass. Like, don't look at porn at work, dude. Just don't do it. Right. Uh, I don't know who the IT wizards are at, you know, the uh, state prison system, but they know they could know that you're doing that. Yeah. And it's just unprofessional. Like, probably you're an authority something figure. About, probably something about that in the employee handbook. Yeah, like, if you're Lushek, fine, whatever. Go ahead. Like, you're not <laughs> in a position of authority. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just don't. Just don't jerk it at work. Uh, speaking of Healy, uh, there's a scene where the Golden Girls are out working the fields for Red, uh, and they're, deba- they're debating the merits of whether they should sell out their cornfield for a love shack. Uh, Healy walks up and, and essentially orders Red to play a marriage counselor for, for him, which he, she points out the absurdity of. Like, I literally can't say no. And mm-hmm. he says, well, nevertheless, I appreciate it. And it's yeah. such a oblivious thing. Um, is there anything you want to talk about this or should we move on? I just love that one golden girl whose name I always forget. 
but the one with the octopus tattoo. Yes. yes. She's just like, if I was in prison, I'd want to be that lady. Mm. Um, she's just, she's super pragmatic. She mostly doesn't get fucked with. Right. Um, I think, was she the one who stabbed V? The fake V? No, 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 no. That was the older non-octopus, but equally frightening old lady. Okay. Cool. The ones got the um, yeah, but I love the Golden eyes. Girls. I mean, I, I would I would watch a spin-off of this show called Golden Girls 2 Litchfield. So right. I just I like old ladies and watching them do stuff. I can't wait to be one. The good news <laughs> is is that Octopus Tat looks very prison-esque. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's ever too late to decide that for your path. Like you're in prison, like shit, I don't even have the octopus <laughs> on my chest. You find the right girl who's got the right equipment and you know one big one big pin will get the job done i think yeah I think. she's got some nice shading on that octopus though i'd really like to get it you done th- by a pro you think that was done on the outside you might be right i think so i mean it's really it's highly detailed <laughs> like prison tats in general are pretty uh uh amateurish looking endeavors usually sure 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 uh, because I've been in prison like so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I've got I got the cobwebs that. on my elbows. I mean, come on, who doesn't? <laughs> uh, this is America, for God's sake. Everybody's been to prison for something. Uh, so Rogers, who is the new uh, counselor uh, in opposition, I guess, in his mind to Healy, is talking to Alex, who's angry about a lot of different things. She's trying to recruit her for drama class. And Alex goes off on this big speech about, uh, you know, how she doesn't want to spend any of her time her precious time helping Rogers feel better about her life choices and how she's making a difference in this prison. And Rogers essentially does the same thing we were talking about before. She's like, Oh, what a great speech. I think you'd do well in drama class. Uh-huh. But I actually kind of rooted for her in this one because I thought the whole time Alex was talking, Alex is such a hypocrite and such an unlikable person that it's just kind of like, just, yeah, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, you know, whatever. Like, would, you, would you rather like, just have the prison industrial complex ran by sadists? Like, you know, should shouldn't there be some people from the inside trying to work fix things? Uh, you know, Alex is pretty anti-authoritarian. Um, she's probably one of those people who doesn't feel like there can be any positive change from within the system. Uh, which we don't have time to get into, but she's also just in a super bitchy mood. Hmm. So, and as someone who's been in super bitchy moods many times, uh, you know, stopping that freight train. No, there's not. She's just going to be like this. And, uh, you know, that's how it's going to be. Birdie's just going to have to deal with it. Next scene, uh, as I suspected, uh, Nikki did in fact, last episode, I did. Nikki did in fact steal the drugs from herself and boo. Uh, Yeah. I'm trying to remember how much I, I don't think I really suspected it. I think I didn't start suspecting it until this episode. Um, So that, it fooled me. Okay. And maybe that's just because I was watching it in such quick succession, but. Well, no, no, no shame in that. She's a, as we'll see, she's a skilled manipulator and trickster. Yes. So, so is kind of awkward around her because they had that relationship during Nikki's contest, (laughs) fuck contest with Boo. Relationship in square coats, uh, square coats. And so, so I'm starting to realize that she is feeling very lonely in prison because she's the odd woman out. Um, all that, uh, what was that? Lisa Loeb 
singing in the yeah episode. yeah it wasn't the bonding experience she was hoping for apparently you know she uh she should have chosen a different female singer songwriter of the 1990s they did lisa Loeb. they did meredith brooks mm-hmm. um maybe she should have gone with some r&b honestly mm-hmm. uh little mary j blige or even like tlc mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. get with the program brooke uh, but she points out that uh, Nikki just uses people and throws them away, which segs into Nikki arguing with her mom after she got bailed out from the taxi fiasco. She's begging for money so she can bail out her friends and do them a solid. Uh, her mom ends up relenting and giving her the money, but I suspect that it well, is not. It's after Nikki basically was going to uh, pickpocket her. Right, like yeah, her mom looks away, and she immediately goes for the wallet. And I was—I mean, I couldn't believe how ballsy that was. I mean, I've also never been a heroin addict. Yeah, that's um, true. But I was like, "Damn!" They really kind of sold the desperation of, like, you know, like what you were willing to do. I guess I know. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's that's hard to say in a, a requiem for a, a post requiem for a dream world that they did a good job of selling. <laughs> how bad you can get on heroin and needing your next fix. But yeah, lying mm-hmm. to your mom and saying you need money for bail and then just completely abandoning your friends is, is pretty despicable as far as Yeah, well, and it's interesting too because you know Natasha Leone has a long history of heroin abuse. Um, yeah. And I am curious, and I haven't really looked into it that deeply, but how much of this would have been her actual experience. Because mm. um, she got into it after she kind of uh started you know being uh a movie star basically and it's so funny too because we watched slums of beverly hills like the week that this show premiered okay and just the difference between pre-heroin natasha leone and post-heroin natasha leone is shocking added a couple of uh uh, of numbers to the odometer is what you're saying yeah i mean well and i mean she looks way better than she did at the height of her problems sure that makes um sense. but just one you, know, you know who among us didn't look better at like 17 or whatever <laughs> good point but, i mean she's just she's aged way more than than her share as a result of that uh, we then go to a rousing debate about uh, who was the first person that invented the blowjob and its potential uh, impact on the morphology of the human mouth orifice, uh, the evolution there. And then that leads into a discussion of who's the sex cow and Alex and Piper's relationship. And then Alex kvetches a bit about Kubra, her ex-drug dealer that she turned uh, state's evidence on, that she knows where he knows where she is and that she's in danger. And this all seems just paranoid as fuck. Like, it really sounds crazy to me. I just was so over Alex talking about Kubra coming to kill her, like, as soon as she started. Mm. So I was like, bitch, you would already be dead. Like, come on. <laughs> right. I don't even I don't even think Kubra's real. I think you made him up. And <laughs> this is all just an elaborate ruse. Sure. Um, no, but I just, you know, I it's a minimum security women's prison. Right. Like, I I Hard to believe something get, this badass will go down. Right? Like, I just, I get annoyed when they try to make this seem like Oz when mm. it's not Oz, clearly. Mm-hmm. 
Now, so I don't think we, because we didn't do, we famously didn't do the wrap up cast because it's a scheduling nightmare. But mm-hmm. I, I want to digress a little bit and ask you, because you said you really liked the V plot line, mm-hmm. yet V introduced some very Oz like elements to Litchfield. What's your thoughts on that? You thought it was I mean, well done, or did you think? Yeah, I mean, the. I don't mean in terms of like getting heroin inside and stuff. I mean, that happens, I think, regardless of the security level of the prison. Right. But there was a shivering under her watch. Yeah, but I mean, that was a situation where it was character driven that yeah. felt organic to okay. me. Okay. Versus Alex, who to me, I'm like, okay, poor little rich girl. Like you need some kind of per, you know perceived antagonist to like justify your existence in here, right on. Um, and I just I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't feel organic to me. With V, it felt like somebody coming in and trying to manipulate the system. And with Alex, it's just whining, and it's not dramatic, and it's not interesting. Okay. Like I wish Cooper would kill her. Like, <laughs> That would, that would be tie great. Honestly, if in the next bit. scene, just Cooper himself showed up and was like, pow, you're dead. You know, no more sex with Piper, no more whining, no more monologuing. That would be amazing. All right. I'm with you. Uh, next thing, we have Ford, Bell, and O'Neill trying to make Caputo feel guilty about their job situation, uh, laying on heavy-handed about, oh, thankfully, we all have jobs we can count on so we can make decisions about our future and plan accordingly, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of think that there is some interesting things that they're doing with the tension between management and labor in, mm-hmm. in this season that I like. And this is kind of, I guess, the ground zero for all that. So, yeah, I'm really into any time any piece of pop culture engages with uh, labor issues in a meaningful way, because I used to work in the service industry and it's absolutely appalling the way that labor in this country is treated. Um, but they have a whole day. They don't have a whole day. All the people who died during the Haymarket riots, they have a whole day. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, we have an eight-hour work day to thank them for that. Uh-huh. But uh, it's just, you know, it's just, I think, you know, in my opinion, it's just time for some severe labor reforms because it's been long enough since those reforms happened that all of the corporations have now found all the loopholes mm. um, and all the ways that they can screw over the working class. So I always appreciate it when uh, we see working class people trying to stick it to the man. Uh, we'll see how successful they th- th- that ends up uh, being. Uh, Healy is openly jealous of Roger. Or Rod- yeah, it is Rogers. Rogers' success mm-hmm. with the drama club. Uh, and I don't know what I thought about Rogers um, relating with the prisoners, um, you know, uh, the vis-a-vis calling them bitches and kind of like going in with that level. And then Healy tries to imitate it and it's predictably disastrous. What did you think about her? Well, she didn't call any of them bitches. No. Number one. No. He calls Voss like a big dumb bitch or whatever he calls Uh her. Uh, But Bernie had clearly developed a rapport and... I believed it. That's how women relate to each other. And she's black. She's a woman. She's got more in common with these women than anybody else who's working at this prison, except for Maxwell, right? Mm -hmm. Maxwell is the female guard. I think so. Um, anyway, Maxwell's not interested in building bridges, obviously. Uh, um, no, I thought it was totally feasible and, you know, 
this is somebody who has come out of college much more recently than Healy. Uh And she's going to know both, you know, more just contemporary ways of relating to people as well as more contemporary technique for engaging these prisoners. Okay. Uh, Tasty and Pousset are giving a funeral for their beloved books. Um, which I thought this is just a really funny, you know, the whole call and response thing sermon they had going on uh, was really funny. Just some of the choice stuff like, what are we going to do in a world without a damn dictionary, y'all? Uh, it's so great. I love books so much. And this made me laugh really hard. Yeah, they're retru- they're returning the books that are burnt to the source of, you know, the book life, which is a little shrub tree that they've got going on in the prison. Uh, and Danny, or uh, not Danny, God, I got my Game of Thrones wires crossed. <laughs> Daya is antsy about not seeing Bennett, which, whatever. Uh, anything else we want to talk she, about? Or Yeah, she talks to um, Blanca's there. And Blanca's Daya, a big reader. Like, big reader. Yeah, Bla- like, Daya's like, what the fuck? I just, I love all the little, like, character glimpses we're getting of this woman mm-hmm. this season because she was kind of one note. Yeah. Uh, previously, but now they're really like fleshing her out, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, do Ruiz next. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Angie and Leanne, the uh, meth heads that are running the laundry, debate the merits of magical Norma. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought it was funny that, like, you know, it's like she's white, so I naturally trust her magic more than the brown, uh, the brown person's magic. I thought that was kind Mm -hmm. of funny. Uh, and then the pounding of them drying shoes in a dryer, which is also funny. The the CO essentially saying you should have hearing protection for this, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. do you have hearing protections? Like, no, it's just kind of a general comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the banging of that drying the shoes knocks Nikki's stash of heroin loose from the the work light, and Angie, which is a terrible place to put heroin. It really I just, is. I I think it's such a bad place. Like. I feel like you should never hide anything important somewhere where it could fall. Like, like if a, if like something is suspended merely by friction, which is a way, way these kind of light enclosures seem to work, mm-hmm. that seems like a bad deal. Yeah. Never trust friction in a war with gravity. I that's just... and never trust meth heads when heroin falls from the sky. No, because they are now in <laughs> they're in, in hog heaven. They just like the look of pure bliss, like childish bliss on their faces when they see how much heroin. They're rich. They're rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a the drama class is kind of funny. There's uh, Morello and and uh, Chang doing a little routine. <sighs> I like Sister Ingalls not putting up with Soso's bossy know-it-all bullshit. I love Soso's bossy know-it-all bullshit because, Dude. number one, improv is horrible. <laughs> oh, I forgot. You might have strong uh, yeah. professional opinions on this. Number one, I hate improv. However, I will admit, like, there is a technique to it, and it does annoy the shit out of me when people refuse to acknowledge even the most basic one, which is always say yes. And right. in this scene... Uh, you know, Lorna is trying to adhere to it, whereas Chang is not. And I found it very frustrating. Ah, all right. Um, so Alex and Piper then get up next and they have this bruised peach as obvious busted badge kind of metaphor. And it's just, it lasts forever, Kelly. It lasts forever. This was the worst. I don't. I'm so over the device of, like, anybody ever being on stage and, like, having their real feelings come out. Yeah. Because Piper and Alex do nothing but talk about their stupid, boring white girl feelings anyway. And now they just have a captive audience 
on yeah. top of it's like I felt weird watching the girls watch them and they're mm-hmm. having this like rapturous like oh my god this is so amazing look and I'm like nope no nope, no nope. I get like you know look they're in prison they only get the TV for certain hours of the day so you bought like, they're just then them being desperate they've, for they've stimulation they've got nothing else going on but for the viewing audience at home this is just it's a bit much okay uh, that's 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 a uh, a good take on that um so we're gonna we're gonna excise about five minutes of recap on this uh, <laughs> uh boo and nikki are talking about the drugs i think big boo's starting to get skeptical about whether nikki is innocent uh she's she's war- she's kind of uh warming up to the idea that uh hey maybe her being a heroin addict is resurfacing here mm-hmm. uh then we that leads up to a flashback of surprise surprise nikki not using the money to bail her friends out and it was kind of breathtaking how completely incapable everyone involved here is of taking any kind of blame or responsibility for their actions and how also quickly they can justify in a very nasty way, uh, steal, you know, basically fucking over a person that they would consider a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Oh, uh, this, this, she probably doesn't even read anyway. Let's go steal her fucking, you know, signed first edition of old man in the sea. Yeah, you know, uh, that's how addicts are. Like, they'll justify anything. Uh, and, you know, I found I found this to be a very believable scene. Oh, I'm uh, not saying it wasn't believable. It's just, I, it's I have hung out with just, those people. Oh, really? It's, yeah. I guess I haven't had enough addicts in my life. But Yeah, I mean, is, I'm not going to uh, recommend it, but you do get some good <laughs> stories out of it. True, true, true. Uh, then we move on to Nikki realizing that her drugs were stolen and stolen by the meth heads because they are paddling down a beautiful river in a laundry basket. There's a beautiful river running through uh, Litchfield that they are navigating. And I just love it. it. Anytime Angie and Leanne are A, together and or B, high. <laughs> I, you know, I I can't overlook their white supremacy, uh-huh. but Jesus, they're hysterically funny. Yeah. They just, they just crack my shit up. Uh, they got funny faces, too. Especially... They do. It's great. Well, just, those actresses do a lot with a little. Yeah. Like Leanne's the blonde one, right? Yeah, and She's Angie like, is the other one with the more fucked up teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but Leah, uh, her her face is just really really funny in some kind of like demented rabbit kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she. You know, Nikki's in big trouble because what I'm getting from this episode is that she's not even close to being ready to be released in any kind of wild situation because I feel like the first thing she would do is run back to heroin. She. I can't decide if she would or not. Like, man, even with all the evidence in this episode, because presented an opportunity to get rid of heroin, she decided to keep hold of a taste of it. Which is ultimately yeah, her undoing. But it's still like I don't know. It just doesn't. Uh, you think in the real world there'd be enough distraction and, and healthy things she could plow herself into to stay stay clean? I don't think she would use again. Hmm. Like even you know with what everything that happens in this episode, I don't think she would use again. I think she would make other terrible decisions. Right. So but you think I this think... is essentially like a smoker, like keeping that little teenth. Is essentially like a smoker keeping a pack of cigarettes in their breast pocket. Like exactly, it's I'm like a not... security blanket. It's not an intention to use. Yeah, I should say um, ex-smoker doing that. You know, like I've, I'm quitting cold turkey, but here, not not only am I just quitting, I'm such a badass. I'm carrying a pack of cigarettes mm-hmm. just to demonstrate my willpower. Yeah, it feels much more like that kind of thing to me. Hmm. Um, I just I think red 
really just, I think Red really straightened out the part of her that would actually use heroin, but I think she still has her same tendencies to, you know, deception and just Mm. sort of, um, you know, disregarding everyone around her. Hmm. Yeah, I got like the parallel structure of her life spinning out of control in the real world and kind of in prison I was getting. And the fact that she was playing it with this almost manic energy about, you know, uh, and and just how hard she gave if it, how hard she found it to give up the drugs. I was taking it as like, you know, she is at a real risk of, of using again and maybe going into yeah. Max is probably a bad thing for her. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's manifestly a bad thing for anyone, but yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I feel like that there's probably more drugs in Max. Is that a? Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know uh, how difficult it is on either level to get drugs in and out. Hmm. Well, it, it, there'd be more pressure and less like, you know, positive things happening in one's life to keep your mind off of it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, she's she's begging Lushek to help her get this stuff out. And he's saying, uh, well, you look like a person who's going to fuck it up. And this is scaring me. And she says, trust me. And that's kind of like very contradictory things she's saying. And it just seems like bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of bad news, Caputo calls Figaro. And he essentially black. Well, he doesn't essentially. He nakedly blackmails her with her husband's sex life. Huh. And also, uh, she says, and I kind of believed her, there's nothing I can do. I don't have the pull you think we've got. And he's still ready to burn her just out of, I guess, spite and revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big fly in my Caputo's a good guy argument, honestly, huh. on, on yeah. sober reflection. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't really like him or Fig, so... Yeah. I don't yeah. have I don't have a clear favorite between the two of them. I just is Lucifer and Satan going going to yeah, and I just you know like Fig. I'm like I didn't need her to come back. Like I don't care. Yeah. Like did you get pregnant? I don't care. Okay. Like boo, <laughs> bring Jason back. Jason was cool. Uh, oh, wait, Jason's her husband. I'm talking about the guy that her husband yeah, was having sex with. The 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 boy toy that was also the yeah. assistant. That little like NPR looking dude. In, indeed, and he he got shouted out several times in the scene, and I did not bother mm-hmm. to write his name down. So shame on me. Yeah, I want to say it was like Elliot or something, but I think I might just be projecting. <laughs> yeah. In my mind, his name is Elliot. It's good enough for me. Uh, Healy and his mail order bride are being translated slash counseled by Red. Uh, there's a really funny line about where uh, Healy's wife accuses him of being a catfish. Which no one in the scene but her got the reference, but I I got I got the reference. Russian made yeah, the bride. It was great. Uh, and she lies. She lays it out. He's not a real psychologist. He doesn't go to the opera. He was only funny online when he could edit himself. And he yells at her. And he drools. He drools like a small child wets the bed, but from his face. Yeah. And I like the Red's increasing like matter. Like she becomes. She, she tries to hide into the detached detached nature of her translation but then mm-hmm. she just lot she does the same thing that piper accused her of which i guess you know it's not the same because healy actually has very real power over her but yeah she lies to spare his feelings uh and then just scolds this woman like a dog about this is what a good man looks like and he's handsome and he takes care of you and your mother and he's fucking trying which is more than i can say for you and this was so far outside of my expectation envelope for what I ex- expected from this character that I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? What was your reaction? Well, I think 
this is just, you know, Healy lost his cool about, you know, something that was obviously more about him than it was about Red. And now this is Red losing her shit about her own husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still am like, I'm like, ah, oh, don't defend this guy. Like, he's a fucking asshole. Yeah, when she said, this is like, what a good man looks like. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. Well, and that's the other thing, too, about a Genji Cohen joint is like, she'll completely assassinate somebody's character. As, in my opinion, she did with Healy in the end of the first season when he leaves Piper to fend off Pennsylvania by herself. Sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend more time with this guy. Mm. And he keeps being a person. Uh, or, you know, or his friendship with Pennsylvania last year. I was like, this guy is irredeemable as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, I don't care about his personal or professional development. Yeah. I don't care about his relationship. And I don't want Red implicated in that. Yeah. And you're right. Like, I, I, I meant to build on that before when you said this comment about his childhood, not like you understand him more, but you don't forgive him. And that's how I felt like, too. It's like, this is either too little, too late, or just nothing at all because. You know, uh, people get have fucked up childhoods mm-hmm. and it doesn't give you a license to be a bastard. No. So anyway. Well, and I wonder, too, if that was what he wound up, how he wound up dealing with his mother was similar to the way that he wound up dealing with Piper, where like he tried and tried and tried. And then at some crucial moment, his mother didn't give him what he wanted from her. And then he just cut her off you know what i mean yeah because that seems very consistent with his behavior toward everybody Mm -hmm. um you know the only thing is he can't he can't get rid of this woman you know that he's married to Hmm. yeah it's it's weird because like uh you think one or both of them would have filed for divorce by now but uh, i don't know the legal well, I mean, yeah i mean it depends on whether or not she has a green card or any kind of citizenship and I'm curious as to how her mother was able to come with her. Hmm. Um, you know, who knows if we'll find out the answers to these mysteries, because Maybe as we all illegal. know, immigration law is such a fascinating premise for a show. Maybe this is maybe we don't know it yet, but Orange is the New Black is actually an elaborate The American spinoff. Hmm, I hope not, because I really like The Americans a lot better than I like this show. Uh, okay, so let's move on to uh, Loose Check sh- uh, shaking down the meth heads for contraband. And, you know, it's all foobar already because he's threatening these girls. He's threatening to kill these girls, and he's not he's not heavy enough to carry that kind of weight. And you can tell that this is not going – he has not cowed these women into silence. Um, then they're talking uh, later with, he's talking later, Nikki's got the drugs and he, they're congratulating themselves and she's decided she's cutting boo out of all the action. Um, I don't know. There's a couple of interesting things about him wanting to take drugs out of the prison, but being okay with it, just being trafficked on the streets and kind of like the, the moral framework, uh, that you'd have to have to make all that work. I don't know if that's interesting to talk about. Think so. It's just pretty standard, you know, narcissistic thinking. Plus, Lucic is just deeply stupid. They've done a very good job of reminding us these first three episodes that he's just kind of a big dumb guy. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, there's a brief scene of Di getting her hopes up that Bennett's returned, and she's disappointed that the good-looking, good-smelling guard is in fact Ford. And <sighs> go ahead. 
I just, I, I love that somebody would think that he was that cute. Like, I don't, I don't get it, but like, it just cracks me up that there are these two women talking like schoolgirls about how cute he is. He's a big beefy kind of teddy bear of a guy. If he smells good, then, you know, have you seen the other part? I mean, have you seen O'Neal? I have seen O'Neal. You put Ford up against O'Neal and Ford start looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's, he's still gone. Uh, and then the two, uh, Angie and Leanne report, uh, loose check to Ford and he's trying not to hear any of it. It's, it's the whole thin blue line, or I guess he's more of a thick blue line, uh, him, him and O'Neill, but, uh, Alex and Piper having trouble with their hate fucking since their metaphorical peaches aren't bruised anymore. And I'm going to vomit and move on unless you'd like to Yeah, let's do. Nope. All right. Caputo, uh, rightfully grills Ford on the drugs and is like, look, you can't, you got to investigate this shit. So they all kind of uh, cowboy up and go down. There's a little bit of like, Oh, you want us to inform on our brethren and sister in, uh, well, you say sister in like that and it makes it sound like, um, like a latrine in fact uh but anyway yeah you 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 want us to inform against your fellow guards but you're kind of hanging us to out to dry on this whole prison situation which he comes clean on the fact that prison's closing nevertheless Uh needs them to do their jobs effectively and professionally until it's closed which uh i don't think it's gonna happen like that's not that's 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 what that's what retention bonuses are for and, and yeah. other things like that that I don't think is on the table for these guys. No. So good good luck with that, Caputo. Um, anyway, they go down to the electrician shop or the, the Litchfield shop and they do a drug sweep. And he, of course, is clean except for a teeny tiny drug pouch, which Nikki taped to the bottom of his drawer. And he turns on her instantly and she gets sent down to Max. Which this is another situation where I'm like, is this really how things go down in prison? Because they essentially transfer her to Max on hearsay. Yeah. Uh, You're right. He there has would be... no solid evidence that she had this. He has more evidence that it belonged to Angie and Leanne yeah. uh, than he does that it belonged to Nichols. Now, granted, I don't know why she thought that putting heroin on again. She's just made some very bad hiding place choices here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tape it under Red's bed. Nobody would look there. There you go. But uh, I find it the the speed with which this uh, extrication to Max happens is unbelievable to me. Yeah, you're right, and I'm I'm pretty. I feel like you'd have to you'd have to like um, you know, you'd have to file paperwork. Like you can't just send somebody to a different prison yeah. without processing something. You're right, like. Yes, I think it was within their ballywick to be able to send a person to shoe, which is essentially mm-hmm. a protective custody within the same prison system. But yeah, yeah so I could totally different... see like send her to shoe until that gets sorted out. But the idea that they can literally just cart her down there, yeah, because I mean, you know, prison overcrowding is definitely still an issue. Like, I yeah. doubt there's a bed. Yeah. It would be interesting. I mean, I'm not sure I want to see like, you know, bureaucratic red tape in action and stamp stamped and all that stuff. No, but I'm saying Carter to shoe and then, you know, next episode, bam, talk about Nikki being in Max. It would be an interesting plot for maybe for later on this season. I'll pretend I haven't seen it or next season. <laughs> uh, like if one of the administrators threatens to send someone down the hill and the hill's like, no, we can't take him full up. Yeah, but I don't, you know, they're. Max for them is just the equivalent of being able to put somebody on a bus, you know, because they could they could go and they could come back at any time. 
Yeah, is it? Because I thought it's like one of those things where like minimum security is uh, a a it's kind of you know it's obviously not like probation, but it's a lesser severe sentence. Than... No, I'm just saying from a just from a storytelling perspective, and again, uh, just like literally the scene we've just discussed demonstrates that they don't give a shit about like reality. Okay, so you know I don't think it's out of the question that if they send somebody to max, that person can come back. Yeah, I guess that's it's a good way to put him in into cold cold storage. Uh, we also then move on to this segs into a scene of Nikki and her mom and her lawyer, and this time her mom uh, cannot pull any more legal rabbits out of a hat, and Nikki's looking at some hard time, and she's still incapable of taking blame. And I I get it because they did a good job in the Mother's Day episode of showing that her mom was kind of like this baseline benign neglect kind of mother like oh mm-hmm. it's you know i gotta get i need a cocktail to get through mothers and i need to go get my spa on and then i need my child you know this babysitter to take my child and do something with her so i get it but you know that i i don't i i guess i still feel pretty bad for her mom in this situation because it seems like she's made a lot of mistakes but she's at kind of her wits in on what to do with her daughter where did you There's come plenty down? of people who experience benign, wealthy neglect without becoming heroin addicts. True. True. That's that's probably a true statement. <laughs> no, and I mean, I don't know. That's one issue that I have with this episode in general is like, I understand that part of the point of this series is like, oh, you know, we all have these issues, but I don't have a ton of empathy for Nikki in this situation when we've seen so many stories, um, particularly tasty story. Oh, right. uh, I don't kind of care yeah. that Nikki felt neglected by her mom. Like it's shitty that her mom had no interest in her mother's day thing. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't justify the mistakes that Nikki has made in her life. Yeah, and it right. doesn't, it doesn't make me feel even sympathetic to her at this point in the story. Hmm. Um, even though she's a character that I like generally. I was surprised. Um, I was kind of surprised at the lack of sympathy that this generated for me. Cause you're right. You, you look at some of these women, like, you know, like you said, tasty and Gloria, some of the things that they kind of got trapped into uh, and, and it winded up where they at. And then you look at Nikki and it's, it's hard to not, make comparisons and be like, you should have done better. No, she should have. I mean, life's not a zero sum game, but I, again, have a really hard time empathizing with people either on TV or in real life who essentially could have done anything, uh, and chose not to. Yeah. You know, so I don't really, you know, it's like, sorry, Nikki, you fucked up. You're going to max. I don't really, you know, I don't care that much except that you're fun. Yeah. To watch. I will miss her as a character. Yeah. If indeed. If indeed she's gone forever. Uh, so this brings us to Figaro pulling up with a manila envelope that contains a business plan from a company called MNC Management and Corrections, which has a criteria for their prison selection of uh, pr- prisons to privatize. And uh, she's essentially saying to Joe Caputo that this, you know, call in, tell him you want to walk through and then here's all the criteria you need to pass and lie so you can and you can get the prison privatized mm-hmm. and then nobody loses their job, which seems like a good thing. Yeah, except that the privatization of the prison system is one literally one of the worst things that's happened yes. in this country. Yeah. Uh, so I 
That's why I said seems like a good thing. Yeah. I, I, you know, obviously they have to come up with a reason to keep everybody there. Uh huh. But I knew, like, for the characters, I was like, well, say goodbye to fun times, guys, because yeah. this is going to be unconscionably shitty. Right. No, I, 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 it reminded me of last season, the journalists talking about. Of course, I would like to be interested in a story that would take down the prison industrial complex. It's it's the second worst stain on America's conscience outside of slavery. Mm-hmm. I'm like, OK, so you take that you take that engine of human misery and now you're going to profit from it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be this is going to be awesome. Uh, Morello goes up to Nikki because they've kind of had a thing being rekindled and she's hysterical and red obviously is very bothered about this mm-hmm. and nikki is just like hey what do you want i'm a fuck up and i like the way she played it uh certainly doesn't seem like that the intent was for me to feel sympathy like the way she's dealing with these women is all yeah. brusque and you know very defensive and i've got my armor back on and fuck all you anyway you fucked up I mean, by caring for me i think you know i think that's her defense mechanism and you know, this, I think, is her actual rock bottom. Mm. Well, although, you know, they do have a tantalizing glimpse of perhaps, you know, she's very resourceful. Maybe it can get shittier. And this scene, this scene of her being driven to Max went on. Like, if you take this scene and uh, Piper and Alex's bruised peach <laughs> bullshit, I think you've got like a half hour show. Yeah. Like, the, both of these things went on a little bit long for me. And I wasn't sure. Again, like they weren't wanting me to feel sympathetic. So why did they draw it out so long? What What do you think they were going for? I just don't think that Genji Cohen understands how emotional cause and effect works sometimes. Mm. Um, and that happens later in, in this season as well, where I'm like, does the show understand how this comes across? Uh because in many situations, I'm like, I don't think you understand how this looks. Do you think it's a lack of understanding or do you think it's like a pro- provocation kind of thing? I can't decide, honestly. And I'm not even sure Genji Cohen knows the difference. Hmm. Um, you know, I think sh- I think she's very gifted in some ways, but I think her limitations and um, her habits and her tics get in the way of storytelling frequently yeah well <laughs> so there's that that's there's that in the show that uh is uh is is dedicated to and an, analyzing it but uh, uh so that's kind of where we leave the episode any final wrap-up before we get done we got two lovely pieces of feedback that we want to consider uh, that I'm I'm good. If you'd like to send us feedback to the show, just uh, in, in in case you do, uh, send it to orange at baldmove.com and it would be it'd, it'd be great. It'd be peachy. It'd be a non bruised peach thing to do. I was gonna say, whoa, no more peach metaphors. <laughs> I can't I can't handle it. It'd be it'd be extremely nice gesture if you would put the episode in the subject, just so it help me compile things, and also it makes it more likely that your email gets considered because I can just draw a nice clean lasso around it, and uh, and and then then we can have things like this. Jessica M did that very thing, uh, very thing I'm, I'm telling you to do. And she said, first of all, I've listened to bald move podcast for a little over a year now. 
But apparently it took the Lysol douches and contraceptive talks to galvanize me into finally sending a feedback email. Here we go. Unfortunately, Lysol was not only used as a douche and or contraceptive, but the Lysol company actually subtly advertised it to be used this way. The ads made it seem like it was intended to be used as a douche, which is a terrible idea. But the target audience understood that the language they used actually referred to preventing pregnancy. So it wasn't some aftermarket adaptation by ignorant and desperate women, which is something Nina and I are speculating on about how this whole Lysol douche thing got started. Uh, but unfortunately for the women that use this method, the Lysol formula was even much more stronger at the time. And there were several documented cases of women actually dying from the practice, not to mention suffering from tissue damage. Tissue damage is a cloak that hides a lot of, lot of ugliness in this case. Uh, this all occurred prior to birth control pills being made legal for married women in 1965 and unmarried women in 1972. There's some more enlightening and horrifying info from this brief Smithsonian article, including the batshit insane ads, which are so incredibly shaming to women. I will actually post a link as these uh, vintage Lysol ads are as advertised. Uh, I will post this in the show notes in case you guys want to be horrified as well. Any comments yeah, before have- we move on to the second part of email? I was gonna say I've seen those ads and I did know about that and it is horrifying, uh, which is what happens when women's reproductive rights are ignored. Uh, she says it's an easy. Oh, she had a couple corrections. It's an easy mistake to make, but Bennett's leg wasn't actually lost via his wartime duties. It was lost due bacteria from a dirty hot tub, which embarrassed him when he admitted to die in season one. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. So I was. I'm like, always shocked that people forget that. Yeah, because uh, I thought that that was a really uh, that was just a moment that stands out because it was so unexpected. Let me ask. And you I've this. seen a lot of recappers forgot that. I I did. Uh, did you watch season one right before you watched season two, or did you watch nope. season? Okay, well then. I have not rewatched most of these. All right, you have then just completely got the upper hand, and I am uh, <laughs> naked naked beneath your baleful gaze uh and judging me as a fellow recapper i just just, just it is complete. baleful my gaze it is and it's one way That's a too, great way I, i've got my camera it. turned off and so you can't <laughs> you can't see me flinching i'm honestly flinching <laughs> from it uh she's also says i'm totally with you and nina about how strange it is to feel sympathy with caputo this is a contra take to yours kelly and mm-hmm. honestly made me start questioning my own morality and whether this experience we've had of following these characters through their experiences in prison has made me readjust what's right and wrong on a sliding scale that's confined within the rich the the litchfield universe in real life if i read a news article about a prison employee who masturbated to thoughts of female prisoners in his office that beyond the pale fucked up now with orange is the black season three I'm like, oh, he's not raping anyone? Well, good for him. What a stand-up guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I feel a little bit of that. Uh, moving on to Manira P. Wrote in and said, episode one and two are very strong and they set up a pace for season the season very well. I will say that I like the pairings that have come together. Norma and Pusey. She says I could eat them up with a spoon. Big Boo and Pinsatucky and Red and Healy. I think that uh, where she wins... I think she's uh, talking about um, uh, I might have done a sloppy edit here, but she's talking about Gingy Cohen where she Mm. wins is when she brings different pairings together that you wouldn't think would be really good together. And then they just thrive. And she finds that enjoyable to watch. Uh, She mentions episode one, kicked me in the guts. Maria handing off her baby for what she doesn't know is the last time. And her facial expressions were spot on. I was crying in my office that that was devastating. 
I hated that. Like it was just, it was awful to watch. Cause it's another one where I really loved Maria and her boyfriend, uh, Alondro, I think, or whatever his name is. No, it's, um, ah, I'm trying to it remember. It feels like it's got a, the f- first syllable missing is what I remember. But anyway, um, her and her boyfriend had such a surprisingly sweet finish to the last season. Like, you mm-hmm. know, he kind of come out of his shell and he was really taking serious, you know, talking to his daughter and doing all this. And then like that went dark and judoed on her. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready. I wasn't ready for how. No, I mean, that was that was really pulling the rug out from under everybody because she's one of the characters that I have been hoping to get more from this season. Haven't really um, got a backstory in her yet, have we? No, and so I'm hoping that'll you know come, but uh, yeah, just you don't uh, you don't expect that to happen in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, she mentions a drug addict with the baby on the muddy ground by the portalette. Good God, help me now! And the cherry on top of the cry headache was Pusey and the comic strip. Samira Wiley plays that scene perfectly. She doesn't oversell it in the least, and I think that's her sweet spot. The Boo and Nikki partnership to get v, V's power out from under her was good on paper, but neither one, especially Nikki, really thought this plan through, and you can tell that in episode two. Uh, Nikki didn't think about what amount of smack that amount of smack would do to her and her sobriety, and Boo clearly didn't think about what getting into bed with an addict would do to their product or the relationship as a whole. I found it all very interesting. I want so much for Di and Bennett because to work because they have so much chemistry. But yes, I am totally like you. I don't see how it could possibly work out. With that said, I totally started a ball when he proposed. I did not. I did not. No. I, was, I was like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not getting back into this crazy train. I've been I've been saying every time the two of them have a scene together since last season. So I was just like, what are you doing? Come on, guy. Uh, she also has a theory that perha- in the last episode that Bennett called the feds on Caesar and w- what the ramifications like would would Bennett be able to get a baby like him and Daya's baby? Would he be able to get all the babies? I'm not sure how I track he, all this. But... He would never be allowed to do anything because right. he's not related to them. And if he admits that Daya's baby is his, he's going to prison. Yes. Uh, so no, nothing, nothing that Bennett does about this situation would work. Like their their best case scenario is for Bennett to play it cool. And wait for Daya to get out of prison three years from now. Mm-hmm. Wait a reasonable amount of time for someone to believe a courtship would work and then marry her like a year after she's released and then adopt a baby. Yeah. And that if that sounds like a fairy tale, it's because it is. <laughs> yeah. It would never work. It's not going to happen. So, yeah. Uh, that's all the feedback we had. Again, thanks for sending those in. Uh, and if you'd like to send in more, you can do so at orange at baldmove.com. It's just the first, we didn't want to do the whole abbreviation or the whole word. It's just, you know, I was lazy orange, <laughs> orange at bald move. You can find, you follow all of our release schedules, including all this, uh, of, uh, Kelly's stuff at our Facebook site and on Twitter at bald move and facebook.com slash bald move. You also have your own fan pages as well. Um, yeah, if you just go to kellyanakin.com, you will find everything. Boom. Boom. There you go. Well, thanks again for joining us. I think I got you for two more podcasts yep. this season. I'll uh, be back. You'll be like like Schwarzenegger himself. She will be back. I will be. 
I'll be Austrian next time. <laughs> can you can you do a whole <laughs> podcast in an Austrian accent? Uh, I would try. I don't know. I can't. I don't know how good that was. But <laughs> there's a preview I'll work on it. Get hyped. I'll work on it. Get hyped. All right. Well, until next time, we'll see you guys later. 